0: Body, Joe Laughlin. And we're back on the weekly pass with my co host Adam Copeland. Coach, we had a special, special guest, Carl Eller, 16 season in the NFL, six Bowls, 2004 Hall of Fame inductee. And part of that, you know, is iconic front four, Minnesota Vikings, iconic Purple People Eaters. Carl, thanks for joining us.
1: Well, I'm happy you're having me on.
0: Now, Carl, what is, you know, I want to talk about the Purple People Eaters. I mean, that's the all time, you know, front four. I mean, some people may say there's also the Fearsome Four, the Steel Curtain, or even the New York Sack Exchange. But, you know, how did you feel about being a part of that? And do you kind of consider y'all the all-time greatest?
1: Well, I agree with he on that, it being the all-time greatest. And I think that's because our reputation has grown over the years. You know, when you're playing, you really don't have a way to... Uh, Look at or you don't have the insight to really look at it and evaluate it. But uh, I think according to our records, we were probably the greatest of all the times, I would think.
2: Don't don't you think that it becomes difficult? And I think you're making a good point. Like when you play, it's hard to look around and say we're the greatest of all time because all time hasn't really happened yet. There hasn't been all this history made. <laughs> but you guys are in the middle of playing and even even statistical categories that are around today were not around when you guys played. They weren't keeping track of sacks. Mm-hmm. They weren't keeping track of knockdowns or QB hits in the same way they do today. Did you guys feel like you were the best at those individual categories?
1: Well, you know, when you pray, like you say, it's hard to envision what the future holds. But we felt that we had a destination, you know, as a front four, as a four, we had a responsibility for the team. And we took that with a great sense of pride. So I think we were more concentrated on what the, the job was that so we had to do and being proud of doing that job.
0: Now, Carl, Copes made a good point. I, I did not realize this, Carl, that they didn't count sacks until 1982. Um, I know you're credited with the Vikings' all-time sack leader with 130 and a half. Um, it's crazy to me that they didn't start registering those sacks. Um, you may have even had more than 130.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I did have more than I heard at 130. Uh, but, yeah, they didn't even count them. And then some of the uh, scores of World when we ran as the quarterback out of bounds, mm-hmm. that didn't count, you know, to uh, as a sack. Or a number of times they would just fall to the ground. And so they didn't count those as well.
0: Now, did they call him a sack back then, or did they just call it a quarterback tackle?
2: Or Like, what was it called?
1: They called a loss of yards, a loss of downs mm-hmm. or something like that. But it wasn't called a sack.
2: So when you go back, and we go back to it, because you were drafted 1964, which would have been, what, three years before the first Super Bowl. So you're playing back in the day. I mean, you were drafted both into the AFL and to the NFL. You, you go on to play with the Minnesota Vikings, of course. Um, but you guys ended up playing in Super Bowl four. Vikings have sort of a rich history back then. Sort of, we joke about it now. They, back then, they were kind of like what the Buffalo Bills became, right? Going to four straight Super Bowls and not winning. You guys went to a number of Super Bowls but never really got over that hump. Can you talk about those experiences?
1: Well, uh, right now, I think there are still painful memories that I have, you know, having never won one of the four. But I felt like we were still going into the Super Bowl representing the uh, NFC, and uh, we were dominant. And uh, it was just kind of an adjustment at that time. But uh, I thought we held our own, and we held as a defensive part of the Vikings, we held those other teams to low scores. They only scored by, you know, a touchdown or two, a uh, field goal, or but their style of play at that time was a little bit different, and we were not accustomed to it. So um, defensively, I think we lost each of those by a touchdown or less.
2: Now, yeah, I, I think all of them, you go back. I'm looking right here just at Super Bowl Four, Chiefs against the Vikings. You played in that one, of course. You guys end up losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going up against Len Dawson, though. I mean, this guy's one of the greats. Len Dawson.
1: <laughs> well, we were against Len Dawson, and I think Garrett was one of the running backs. But they had an uh, offensive line. They were going with the big linemen. You know, big uh, uh, guys who probably went out um, Each man probably 40 to 50 pounds, so. That was a little different, you know. We, normally we could handle the guys in front of us, but these guys really presented a challenge for us.
2: What kind of training did you guys do back then? Because I mean, you look back at like like uh, the old days of football, right? It was a lot of big brute strength guys, a lot of heavy set guys, big guts on the offensive line. And today you end up with these guys that look like power forwards in basketball, mm-hmm. right? Six foot seven, six foot eight, three hundred and ten pounds, two hundred and ninety pounds. How'd they build them back in your day?
1: Well, we really didn't have a training program. I mean, it was kind of each to his own. We had some what they call, uh, well, everybody does calisthenics. But uh, we had uh, kind of something, I don't remember, remember what they call it, really. You were you work against a force or something. But as far as the training program, it was nonexistent.
0: Carl, when you watch the game now, what is it, what, do you, what goes through your head? I mean, it's, the game has changed so much. I mean, you couldn't do what you did back then. Now, when you look at these penalties and not being able to even touch the quarterback, do you think you could play now in this era?
1: Well, it would be hard. Uh, <laughs> you can't touch the quarterback. The one penalty that I disagree with is the interference penalty because it puts the defense at a real risk because uh, if you throw the ball in the direction of a receiver – and receivers are great today. I think they're much more talented. But if you get close to one, that's a penalty, which would change the game and put them down to the and scoring position, when that's uh, that's really hard to take.
2: Well, the funny thing, I think, if you're compar- comparing the game of football when you played to what the game is now, I think you're absolutely right. What you can do and can't do, grabbing, holding, shoving, pushing on offense and defense – is obviously a lot different. The game is; it probably takes a longer time now because of the instant replay stuff. But one thing that I think is a constant between your day and the modern day game is play defense and run the football successfully, and you can be a champion.
1: Well, yeah, you had to have a good defense. No question about that. I just think it's harder to have the kind of defense that we had uh, today. Uh, uh, you know, we could, we knew that most of the teams would run in certain situations, but. Today, you know, don't know that the guy would run the ball or pass the ball and, and what we would consider a definite passing down so or a definite running down. But you can't do that today.
0: Now, Carl, I want to get back to your, you know, the fierce front four you had, the Purple people eater. Is it true Jim Marshall said that you and the players dislike that name and you actually wanted to be called the Purple Gang? Is that true?
1: Well, I think we had a, t- some trouble adjusting to the name because most of us in the beginning really saw ourselves as individuals and would not want to be grouped together. You know, we all had different personalities and different ideas, but the public, the fans, they liked that and it caught on. And so it was a name that we became part of after, you know, it, it just caught on. Everybody was calling us that. But Jim had his own favorite, the Purple, purple Gang. And uh, I think I was just see us alone, that's all.
0: The Purple People Eaters is a little more catchier, though, don't you say, Carl?
1: Yeah, I would, yeah, I would agree.
0: <laughs> now, speaking of Jim Marshall, you were a rookie in 1964 with the Wrong Way Run. Were you in that play, and what were you thinking when you saw that? Because it was against the 49ers, we're here in San Francisco.
1: Oh, yeah, well, okay. Uh, well, it's, unfortunately... You know, it's one of the things that people remember about Jim Marshall and he was a great defensive end. And uh, uh, yeah, he had a lot of things to credit all the games and all that, mm-hmm. but yes, he was there when I came to the Vikings as a rookie and I was in that game at, uh, I wanted uh, the the stadium. Yeah. And uh, it was a, it was a great game. I remember the game, but I remember the game for a number of reasons In 64 You remember that was the height of the hate Ashbury, you know, phenomena, and we were on our way from the hotel to the stadium, and uh, along the boulevard, there people were going, "Love, love, peace, you know. And they and the guys on the bus were going kill, 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 kill. You know, so it was a contrast. You know, but but we got to the game. We got to the stadium. Uh-huh. One of the things that I think that people don't realize is that it, players have competition among themselves. You know, and and so we would have like you want to get the sack, although you were a team. You wanted to have the sack. You wanted to build up the numbers, and and so uh, this was the game. And the quarterback, uh, I just escapes me right now, but he threw the ball out a kind of a little dump pass out to the uh, halfback. Uh, crow, I think was the halfback, but anyway, uh, we tackle uh, crow near the sidelines, and Jim was kind of just chasing crow coming around to the the opposite opposite side of the field. And the ball popped out and Jim picked it up and just kept on running. Same you know, direction, I yeah. Ran down, <laughs> yeah. And so he uh, ended up uh, running uh, past the goal line. And so all I could do, I was behind him, and I stopped to think. And I thought, well, he's going to have a longer touchdown than mine <laughs> because <laughs> I had received the ball and got a fumble earlier in the game. And my thoughts was Jim is going to have a longer recovery.
0: It's funny because you guys end up going on to win that game, though, so it didn't even really matter.
1: Well, run the game. I think they could uh us with the safety did, or yeah, something like did, that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But they crowd. I've never heard it, actually heard a crowd. Uh, they would not settle down. That was a buzz going for the rest of the game. It was, it was amazing.
0: Carl, were you thinking the whole time he's going the wrong way, or were you just kind of like, uh, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of, first of all, I thought, well, I didn't realize he was going the wrong way at first. Carl, it
2: could have been you, man. It could have been you running the wrong way.
1: Well, it could be me. What I said was, it was competition, so I thought, well, he's going to have a longer touchdown. That's great. So, then I went and realized he was going the wrong way. And the people on the sidelines and the guys were not in the game, the rest of the team, they were waving the arms and big circle like turn back, turn back, go the other way. But Jim thought they were cheer him on.
2: <laughs> too much going on. Too many people yelling love and peace for him to hear what was going on behind too, him. Right? Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Too much going on. Good stuff. Uh, hey, 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 thinking about some of the other stuff from back when you played. Uh, you were a Minnesota Golden Gopher, weren't you?
1: Yes, I was.
2: So you came into the Vikings, uh, well, playing for the Vikings, and you were familiar with playing in that cold. Right. That's a different kind of cold up in the Great Northwest, right? That's what they call it. So, or the Great, what do they call it? The Great North, right? You're up there and it's a, it's freezing yeah. cold. And so now they're playing in a dome, right? They get to play in these heated stadiums, these comfortable stadiums. You guys were outside playing in the cold, weren't
1: you? Well, we were, yeah. But now they, but the stadium is fantastic. I mean, even for the fans and the, you know, play the game, I mean, you're can't tell what's going on outside, now, you know, but yeah, we played in the outdoors.
2: But playing in those elements, I mean, you guys playing against the Packers, of course, in their cold, playing in your cold, did you guys think of that as a home field advantage? Was the was the, the turf hard and cementy? What was it like?
1: Well, yeah, all of those things, we didn't necessarily think of it as an advantage, but the one thing, we practiced in that all week, you know, it wasn't like we went south to practice and came home to play. So we were familiar with it, you know, and and like you say, the uh, field would give a change conditions as you uh, took the covers off and the field would get hard and tracks would be on the field, you know. So ridges from where the, not the uh, lawnmower, but ice moving the machines, mm-hmm. the tires would leave tracks on the field and of course the little ridges would be on the field. And then you wanted to abort those, so you, you just wanted to be careful where you fell. But other than that, you had uh, no advantage of the other team.
0: Now, Carl, a big game this weekend, Vikings-Niners. I don't know how much you're watching the games these days, but what are you thinking about uh, this Vikings team coming up uh, here to the 49ers?
1: Well, I think, obviously, yeah, it'll be a very challenging, challenging game. Uh, the Fort ers are always tough. we played them in a couple of playoffs. Um, but I really like this team. I think they are a good bunch of guys. I think they're going at it with the right attitude. And I think they're hungry. They they have a sense of pride. Uh, you know, I heard Rudolph say, the one that called the touchdown pass the other day, that uh, we've been there. We've never brought it home. So they want to be the first. and I think that's a good goal.
2: I, I think it's it's uh, an important thing to be playing with a chip on your shoulder, especially against a team that has got home field advantage. They got a win last week in a stadium they weren't supposed to get a win in, and now they get a chance to play with a little house money. What do you think they've got to do to uh, to get the win here? Is it get to the quarterback? Is it stop the run? What makes a team like the Vikings successful?
1: Well, they you got to do all of that. They've certainly got to get to the quarterback, put some pressure on him. I think they got to watch for some of the trick plays, you know, the get in the back outside and let them run it. They got to be aware of all of that. I mean, they've got to play a mistake-free game. Um, it's a challenge for them. I, I think San Francisco is going to be a tough, tough team to beat. They were ahead in the early part of the season, but eight or nine wins with no losses, so they're they're a tough team.
0: Now, Kirk Cousins, he went into a hostile environment in New Orleans. I mean, now he's got – you can see he has a little bit of confidence and his team is rallying around him. Do you think Kirk Cousins can come to Levi's and actually uh, do some magic like he did in New Orleans?
1: Well, I think the pressure's on him. You know, I think um, the one thing – Probably it's building up the confidence, in the, not just in him, but the rest of their team. You know, that's what you need. And you know, the guys feeling uh, digs. I'm sure they had uh, confidence in him, but now I think they have more. You know, and the tight ends. Uh, I think they know what they got to do, and I think they're all together. I think I don't think there's any separation between you know, cousin and the rest of the rest of the team.
2: And we can't let I you go. Really
1: think, yeah,
2: we can't let you go without a defensive question uh, for the Vikings. This guy, Daniil Hunter, 14 sacks this year, 14 last year. He's got a nose for getting through that offensive line, pretty much against anybody. What do you think of him?
1: Oh man, he's coming out like gangbusters. <laughs> he's really a tiger, you know. And uh, the one thing, it, some things have changed in the game, but one thing with the defense ends is they're still pretty rangy kind of guys you know lean and i want to say mean you know but hunter he's a phenomenal man he really has the nose for the quarterback i like to see him play he's just really a go-getter and uh, he's got a lot of help inside too but i think he's come on and he's only been there a couple of years and established himself really well in that front line
0: now carl last thing before we let you go can you give us a prediction on this niners viking matchup this saturday
1: Score. I think it'll be a close game, and it's hard to make a prediction. out and try to avoid that. But I think <laughs> it's going to be a close game, and the uh, Vikings will win this, and I would say for, for, for a four-point. four point.
0: Wow. All right. Well, that's that's it. Well, we heard it from you, and it's such a pleasure to talk to you, Carl. We look forward to maybe speaking to you again, and thank you so much for your time on the Weekly Pass.
1: Oh, right, Thank you. Thank Thanks for calling.
0: You know I love when you talk to these old-timers? They still love the game, and they, they still watch it. You know, sometimes you wonder, are they still watching their team? Are they still watching the players? They do. I mean, when you spoke to him and you asked him questions, you know, he knew exactly what players, who was going to be playing this weekend. He he wasn't, like, at all, like, you know, and for in, guys, in the dark about this team at all.
2: For guys who played, like, further back when he did, I mean, he was done playing by 1980, right? Yeah. He played from 64 to 79 or something mm-hmm. like that, 16 seasons, as you said early on in the podcast. Uh, guys like that, like – it would be much easier for him to pull back and say, these guys don't play in the same conditions I played in. I never had an ice bath. Yeah. I-, I had calisthenics, and that was it. There was no off-season training program. These guys would leave football and go do off-season jobs and then come back to play football. Uh, but, no, to hear to hear an old-timer like a, like Carl Eller, Hall of Famer, played in some crazy conditions, some of the earliest Super Bowls. I mean, the Vikings were, as we said, they were the lovable losers, it felt mm-hmm. like, in the NFC for a long time. Uh, and they're looking to get over that hump. We'll see what happens uh, with the 49ers on Saturday. Should be a fun one, but they're playing with house money.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I didn't realize there's a lot of Minnesota Vikings 49er kind of history. You know that wrong way run. I totally forgot that that was the 49ers a Kesar. Right,
2: pre-Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah pre- and then the 1987 run, yeah.
0: upset here. I mean, it's a lot of his, more history than I kind of expected. I loved him talking about the the hate Ashbury that there was like all the anti in and, 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 and all that. Yeah, Well, yeah, the- think <laughs> about it. They're in the Midwest. They're up,
2: up in uh, up in the northern uh, part of the country and uh, they come down here to the West Coast and it's a, it's a little bit different. But no, it's a, it should be a fun one. Not on a whole lot of rivalry. I think Forty no. fans weren't expecting this to be the matchup this no, weekend. not I think at all. Most, I wasn't. I think most NFL fans were looking Seahawks or uh, or Philadelphia coming to town. Instead, it's the Minnesota Vikings against the 49ers. and again, they're playing with a little pizzazz, a little bit of house money. They got to be feeling good after they just went in and upset Drew Brees in New Orleans.
0: I think the good thing is that we're getting all of our guys healthy. Yeah. You know, if they can, we'll see how many snaps D Ford and Quan Alexander can play. But I think we keep our our defense. Uh, healthy and try to keep him in the game, I think we've got the advantage.
2: Well, and Adam Thielen was uh, limited in practice mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on Wednesday with a laceration on his, I on really his ankle. I think he had stitches now, yeah. uh, Something like that. He had stitches, something like that. But they played without him for the, the, like the whole latter part Diggs, of the right? season. right? Didn't both of them were Diggs, injured? The had been, been in there. No, Thielen started the year healthy, and then he only – I think he missed the last – he he pulled a hamstring, tried to come back too soon, and then he missed it mm-hmm. the last like four or five weeks or something. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook was out, Madison mm-hmm. was out. Cook,
0: that's what it was. Cook was out too. But they've okay.
2: got all those guys back and healthy now. So uh, Thielen, big impact last week. And again, if he's on the field, you got to keep an eye on him.
0: That Kirk Cousins throw to, I think it was the biggest. Would you say the biggest pass at Thielen of, of his career?
2: Yeah, I think the, the touchdown Cousins, is probably I mean, the biggest one because it wins the game, but yeah. you're right. He'd set up that play there, uh, and they had to make the play. I say the touchdown because it was on third down as well. He right. did have to convert a third down. Huge,
0: huge play. Otherwise, and then, he'd be
2: kicking a field goal, and the Saints might have a chance to come back and win it.
0: But. Rudolph scares me a little bit just because of his size.
2: Yeah, I like the Niners linebackers though. I think Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, those guys I dropping so, into coverage yeah. are a little bit better, I think, than maybe the Saints. We,
0: on paper, the Niners should win this.
2: Game. And the Saints linebacking situation was was sketchy coming into that game last week. They've been banged up all year. Mm-hmm. They had to go add Manti Te'o. Yeah, they did. They they've been, been hurt in linebacking uh, anyway, and they got a good matchup there. That's why they went to Rudolph. They had him on a corner, didn't turn his head, and uh, wide open back right. in the end zone. So on
0: paper, Niners should win. But on paper, they were they should have won 1987.
2: I'm so. with I'm with Carl, Carl Eller though. I think it's going to be a closer game than uh, yeah, than the I spread so. says. It's seven spread, point, seven point spread. Uh, yeah, I got. I got it as a, a one possession game, maybe a four point game like Carlson.
0: Every game the Niners have had though has been close and tight. So uh, I don't know. I wouldn't think surprise you're right. me. Think wouldn't surprise right. me. Well, again, we'll be back next week. Hope everyone had a happy New Year. It'll We're be back.
2: championship week, Bonnie. It Joel. will It'll be. be NFL championship Hopefully week. Hopefully, the Niners are in it. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're not biased at
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the weekly pass. I'm Bonnie Jo Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. See ya.